Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. So the U.S. debt was just downgraded again. Think about that being kind of your personal credit rating going down. Is this a sign of some big events coming? Is it a sign that Congress needs to get an act together? Is the world ending and this was just the start of it? I thought we'd have a conversation with the one and only Anna Kelly, uh, as she's been a wealth of knowledge and experience. So Anna, how you doing? I'm doing great. Good to be here with you. Absolutely. So uh, the first thing to note, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the U.S. debt was downgraded by S&P. I think it was like a decade ago. Uh, yes. And Fitch didn't do it. Uh, Fitch's reasoning for the debt downgrade, I thought, made sense. They basically said, hey, that you know debacle around raising the debt ceiling, taking it down to within three days of what's called X day, kind of childish. Uh, also, oh, by the way, your you know bills are running pretty hot now that interest rates are rising. Uh, you got to get the U.S. House in order. That's essentially what I think Fitch was doing. It wasn't making a declaration about today, but it was saying, hey, the next three years will look kind of difficult, frankly, because Congress doesn't have to act together. That was my take. I don't know what you saw in Fitch. I don't know if you think this is you know, the end of the end or a nothing burger. What do you think? <laughs> I, I think it's probably somewhere in between, right? I definitely don't think I'm not fatalistic about, you know, the U.S. I don't think it's the end of the end. Um, but let's face it, we are in trouble in terms of our debt. I mean, we are basically a bankrupt country other than the fact that we have the world reserve currency and we're able to print money. If it wasn't for that, we would be basically considered bankrupt. And so the U.S. is on a path that has to be corrected in some way in order for us to have continued prosperity as a country. Um, we've got to figure out a way to reduce our debt and what's happening right now with the economy in terms of the interest rates rising to, to basically kill inflation is that it's also raising the cost of the U.S. debt to the U.S. and to the U.S. taxpayers. So I've seen different numbers, but I was reading this weekend about $350 billion in additional interest payments alone over last year, which was already an increase. And so, you know, when we look at that, um, it, it, there's got to be something that changes. So we either need to cut our expenses, we need to raise revenues, which happens through taxes uh, on us or through production and, and increased GDP in order to offset that debt. And really, we probably need to do all of the above. So I think Fitch is basically, I, I like what you said. I, I didn't really think of it this way, but I think it is a statement you know, to the United States government and to Congress that if you continue on this path, we're going to be in really bad shape. We've got to do something about the debt. So um, it, it's not super alarming to me. It's nothing new to us that we haven't already discussed. Um, for anybody that is really concerned about the debt, though, there is a great book. I think we've talked about it a little bit by Ray Dalio, mm -hmm. um, Principles for Dealing with Big Debt Cycles. And mm -hmm. anytime countries produce a significant amount of debt and no longer have the ability to produce outside of government spending, 
it usually means they're on a downward trajectory. So if they don't get a hold of it, um, yes, there could be some trouble. And really the big thing that I'm kind of watching and seeing how it plays out over the next several years is, is all the noise and all the activity from our other countries in the world trying to um, get a, a for hand on the U.S. having the world reserve currency, is that going to happen? How long will it take to get there? Because what I've seen is that when countries are in a lot of debt, and I know Fitch knows this, um, essentially, they only can get out of it by either austerity, um, cutting expenses significantly, raising taxes significantly, um, or they basically inflate their money away. And so, you know, the, the U.S. doesn't have a lot of options. Countries that don't have a reserve currency tend to go bankrupt. They tend to fall pretty quickly once they, they hit a certain level of debt. But while we have the world reserve currency, let's just say worst case scenario, people are saying within 10 years, we'll lose the world reserve currency because of what the other countries are doing. If that happens, we got 10 years to really get our act in order and start getting out of all of this debt while we have the world reserve currency. So that's the thing that I'd be watching. I think I think that's all very well said. I think I think when I break this down, it was it was a, it was a shot or a statement to Congress. I really believe that um, in the short term, short term being the next 30 days, you're going to see some interest rate adjustments. I, I would be shocked if the 10 years not up today meaningfully, because, um, again, this came as a surprise near as I can tell. Nobody called this coming. So I think mm -hmm. you're going to start to see that uh, if you look out over three to six months, this probably hurts earnings because, again, higher cost of capital, higher risk premiums. This can start hurting earnings. I mean, this is just, frankly, this helps Jerome Powell. I mean, let's be clear, right? It helps to bring down inflation because cost of capital is going up without him having to do anything. Right. And then if you look out nine to 12 months at the margins, you may see more and more people take percentages away from treasuries. Like, hey, you know, we used to buy 50% of our excess reserves were in treasuries. Now it'll be 47%. I don't think this turns anyone off, but but in the short term, they may they may look at other things, other countries, perhaps other commodities, stock, you know. So I think I think this this does have continuing dominoes. It's not the earth shattering, you know, we're going to lose the reserve currency tomorrow thing that I'm sure some people will say it is. Uh, but it is certainly a sign that we should wake up because we are on an unhealthy path. For sure. And I think, you know, other countries, you know, a, a lot of our treasuries and people may or may not know this, but are bought by foreign countries um, and, and held by their central banks. So what, what I have seen, um, and I, I think I might have read this in Ray Dalio's book, there's another book um, called Global Shocks. I can't remember the author right now, but it talks about currencies and what happens when countries are downgraded and some of the crises, currency crises that we've had um, it, across the globe when a country is downgraded um, it, it, for, for all intents and purposes, not talking about Fitch in particular, but Oftentimes, if the country is downgraded and they're looked at as no longer being the safe haven, right? We consider the U.S. Treasury to be the safest, risk-free um, investment you can make around the globe. And so, as a country is downgraded, they are looked at less safely by other countries. And so, in a normal situation, if the global economy was going really well and the U.S. was downgraded, I think it would have a, a stronger impact 
on other countries dumping the dollar. But right now we're basically the cleanest dirty shirt in the closet of dirty shirts when you yeah. compare us to other economies. And so, you know, the fact that the global economy is strained as well, very debt constrained, inflationary, et cetera, um, other countries are experiencing the same thing. And I think we're still the safest bet to those other countries, at least at this point. And mm -hmm. because of that, I don't think this is going to have a major impact. Although, if the economy started to get really healthy again globally and the U.S. were to then be downgraded, I think it could be much more than a nothing burger and much more of a serious situation to think through for the U.S. government than what it is today. Yeah, for me, this is very much like, hey, called my shot. We're watching the U.S. for the next three years. I don't think this is a call on U.S. debts this year or even next, but it's yeah. like, hey, three years from now, the world economy could be very different. Yes. And given your debt load and if rates if rates stay higher for longer and you're doing an extra 350 billion that becomes 400 billion and you know pretty soon you're all your you know if you take all the interest plus defense spending there's all the tax receipts what are you going to do? Grow your way out, raise taxes, cut spending. Right. Like you said in the beginning there are only three options and we probably should do all three. Yeah. And I think the important part, you know, some of this might seem kind of cerebral or out there or like, so what, what can I do about it? Right. There's not a lot we can do personally other than vote and, you know, hope that we change things and get a bunch of really good um, fiscally responsible um, leaders on on both sides of the aisle to, that can figure this thing out. But personally, what it does is as I watch these things, I say, OK, if XYZ were to happen, like knowing what the government's choices are, and they're pretty clear, unless they create something new, a whole new monetary system, which has been discussed, you know, over and over about, you know, by many, um, unless they reset the system, their tools are the same as they have been in the past. So you look at what are the possible outcomes. If they cut spending and there's austerity, then a lot of social programs will go away. And so maybe if I have Section 8 housing, do I think, will they cut Section 8 housing vouchers. Will they cut that? The likelihood is they won't, right? Because of affordable housing, an affordable housing crisis, they probably want to continue to help people have a place to live. So that probably isn't going to get cut. The next thing is, are they going to raise taxes? If I were a betting woman, I would say I would bet a whole lot of money that we're about to get big tax raises on both sides of the aisle. This is no longer a the Democrats are going to put in a big tax increase. There's not a lot of good solutions other than raising the incomes, which is raising taxes. And so when I think about buying and selling properties, I want to think about where can I still get the best tax deductions on my real estate, even if my personal tax rate goes up or capital gains go up or a 1031 exchange goes away, um, all of which have been on the drawing board over the last couple of years. What can I do differently that gives myself some tax shelters? And so those are the kind of things I'm thinking about. And real estate is a great position to be in, Michael, as you and I know and, and teach on this channel. You know, it's one of the best places for um, income tax breaks and hedges, so many different ways to do it. But and I know we're going to talk about later today, commercial real estate. One thing that I'm watching, too, is that oftentimes when you have changes of the tax code that disincentivize buying commercial real estate, commercial real estate transactions fall and volumes fall. So we already have issues with commercial real estate because of interest rate changes and cap rate demands changing. 
values are falling. If we have big tax changes that also take away some things like the bonus depreciation, that could be a real pain point for commercial real estate investors. So those are the kind of things I'm watching. I don't read these headlines and go, what's going to happen? Or, But I go, what could it mean to me? And how can I kind of start mitigating some of this risk and hedging in some of the investments that I make to set myself up to be prepared for you know the, the changes that are likely to come? I love everything about this. Anna, thank you for playing chess with us. This again is, is a move that we have to understand and, and play out in a multi-year game. Where can people find you? Great. You can find me here almost every week on your channel on the playlist. You can find me at social media at Anna Kelly, REI Mom. And if you're interested in coaching or consulting regarding real estate and your wealth, you can find me at REIMom.com. Thank you so much.